I'm talking today uh, to us all about the present day miracle ministry of Jesus Christ. Notice my wording, the present day miracle ministry of Jesus Christ. Now we all know that the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is filled with stories of Jesus' miracle ministry, Jesus doing healings, Jesus doing wonders. But uh, we are going to ask some questions in these days of healing. One of the questions I want to ask are, are, are miracles, are the miracle of Jesus mere historical documents? In other words, something that happened a long time ago, or are they relevant today? That's an important question. Are we just uh, commemorizing, uh, telling the stories in Sunday school of what Jesus did? Or are these miracles relevant today? Someone said, well, in the light of science and especially my medical science, why do we need miracles today? And uh, that, that's, uh, that can be a good question. We're thankful for medical science and all that they have accomplished. But uh, I would suggest to us today that there are still enormous amount of needs in our country. There are needs in your life and uh, we need the miracle ministry of Jesus today. And then I asked the question, if uh, miracles and uh, if, if this ministry is relevant, are healings and miracles for all people, only for a select few? Some would think, oh, it's for somebody who is specially anointed or somebody who has a special gift of healing. But uh, Jesus made it very clear that these uh, gifts of God are for all people without any discrimination. So as we read about the ministry of Jesus 2,000 years ago, we are filled with wonder and we we so inspired by Jesus at least I am inspired by Jesus how about you when I read about how great multitudes followed him and he healed every one of them uh, when I read about how he spoke the word and he cast out evil spirits by his word and healed all who were sick when I read about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil that is so impressive that is so inspiring I've received a lot of inspiration from just reading the four first books of the New Testament about the ministry of Jesus. But then we come to the book of Acts. And I want to submit to you that the book of Acts uh, begins with a transition, a bridge between the ministry of Jesus back then and the ministry of Jesus today. Because what we are submitting in these days is that Jesus Christ is a healer today. Jesus Christ is a miracle worker today and the ministry of Jesus Christ continues. So let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So in other words, uh, this, uh, this was Luke's gospel. That was the former account. Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. And he says, I wrote one book telling you everything that Jesus started to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up uh, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So this former account of the Gospel of Luke is about the awesome ministry of Jesus Christ. But here comes now a transition. Because we could say, well, that was Jesus, that was back then. 
But here he's saying that what Jesus did was just the beginning. That means it continues, and the book of Acts has no real end. It doesn't say this is the end of the story. It just continues and goes on and on till our day. And he commissioned his apostles and his believers to do what he had already done. And he said, the way you're going to do it is by depending on the Holy Spirit. And may I say today, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit today. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised as I'm speaking today that some of you will be healed in your physical body before I finish talking. You don't have to wait for a special moment of prayer or a special moment of some intercession for you, but faith will come in your heart because the ministry of Jesus continues today and we are dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I, I want to, in these healing days, uh, put forward some of the dynamics of Jesus' ministry. If Jesus just was beginning something, that something which he began is continuing today. It is relevant to you today. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you have some other sickness. Maybe you have rheumatism. Maybe you have pain in your body. What Jesus began is relevant for you today. And so we are believing today that the Holy Spirit will touch you. Maybe you have had a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe some other area of your life has been affected. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he does today through the Holy Spirit. So the dynamic I want to show you today is directly taken out of the words of Jesus in Luke 18, 27. Jesus said, the things which are impossible with people, they are possible with God. This is a universal principle or dynamic. A dynamic, by the way, that is a fact full of energy. And I want to give you this energizing fact from Jesus that is universal for all times, that the things which are impossible with people are possible with God. You know, God knows you. This place is full of people. Other people will watch this through YouTube or some other means. And people are people. People are flesh. People have their uh, struggles. Uh, people have a certain nature. The Bible says that we have the same, uh, and Elijah had the same nature as we do. And so you, you're here today. You've come here with maybe your doubts. You've come here with your anger. You've come here with temptations. You've come here with your failures. You've come here with your successes. You've come here with your bad and your good things. And God is saying, no matter who you are and what baggage you are carrying, that which seems impossible to you, those very things that are impossible to you are possible with God. And uh, Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord praise for that. Now, Jesus is the one who in the first four books of the New Testament made this truth come alive because he encountered people all the time uh, whose uh, cases were impossible. This has been my story. You know, we conduct uh, gospel festivals among people of all kinds of religions, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, people who have no particular religion or people from come from various types of animism. And we always want to establish this truth in the hearts of the people that the things which are impossible with you, the things that are impossible with your doctor, the things that are impossible in your family, all those things are possible with God. This is a universal principle. It didn't start with Jesus, but Jesus, uh, uh, he demonstrates this principle. We, we can read in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse, verse 27, where God says, I am the Lord, uh, the God of all people, of all flesh. 
That's so wonderful, by the way. God is the God of all flesh. It doesn't say that God is just the God of the spiritual people or the praying people or the repenting people. God is the God of all people. I always like to emphasize that because no matter what country we go to, you know, there's a, every religion is segmented off in his own uh, part of society. Uh, you know, they all have big walls around them. And, and so the Muslims have their walls around them and the Protestants have a wall around them. And sometimes the Pentecostals have a wall around them and, and Buddhists have a wall around them. And so I like to emphasize this, that God is the God of all people. You know, the only people that Jesus healed, uh, he didn't heal Christians because there were no Christians to be healed. There were no Christians. Jesus never used the word Christian. So Jesus only healed people. So if you are a people, you, you are qualified to receive from God. I don't know if you're doubting people, if you're failed people, if whatever you are, you're people. God is in the people business. And, and so if you are a person, if you're a human being, you are qualified to receive of the grace of Jesus Christ. He is the God of all flesh. He's the God of all people. We, we tell this to the, to the Buddhist friends. You know, many of them are, are, don't know anything about Jesus. Muslim friends, they know something about Jesus because Jesus is mentioned as the prophet Isa al-Masih in the Quran, the holy book of the Muslim people. But among Buddhist people, they have no knowledge of Jesus at all. And so we tell them that God, the one who created the universe, he has revealed himself through Jesus Christ for all people. This is not exclusive. All over the world, we battle this idea that our particular faith is a, is a Western religion or that we are for Christians or that we have revival meetings for Christians. But all over the world, we are making it clear that our message is for all people. I tell people, I'm not here for the body of Christ. I didn't come to your city to minister to the body of Christ. Thank God for all the preachers who come and minister to the body of Christ. But I said, I'm not one of them. I'm here for the whole city. I'm here for every tribe, every nationality, every ethnic group, every religion, because my God is the God of all flesh. Amen. And that's very applicable in Toronto. And then God says, is there anything too hard for me? It's a rhetorical question. I'm the God of all people. Will anything be too hard for me? The same chapter says in verse 17, O Lord God, behold, you made the heaven and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You know, this is God speaking to you today. This is God talking to us all today. He's saying whatever the situation Whatever impossibility, quote unquote, that you face, there's nothing too hard for God. We could give you many quotes from the Old uh, Testament scriptures, but let's go to the angel Gabriel who said the following words in Luke 137, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Because the young girl Mary wondered, how will I have a child? I don't even know a man. How can it be? Well, with God, nothing shall be impossible. So God is talking to you today. He's talking to every one of us that whatever you're facing, nothing is impossible. Then Jesus said these words. He said in Matthew 19, Jesus said to them, with men, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This is an absolute truth that we want to establish. We want to tell every person across the country of Canada and every person in the whole world 
that whatever you consider to be impossible, too difficult, too hard, with God, all things are possible. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said this in a different choice of words. He said, now to him, Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So we are able to think certain things. You can think, uh, well, what if this could happen? What if that could happen? But here it says, him who works in us is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. I found that to be true in my own life. That sometimes I am very glad I didn't know the extent of people's prayer request. I didn't know their need. Because I think if I had known their need, I would have been discouraged. I would have think that this is too complicated. This is too much. I'm glad I didn't know the needs of many of the people I've prayed for in my life because my mind may have limited the situation. But God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And that power that works in us is the power of the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. You know, I remember one of the first really, really great miracles I saw. I just started in ministry and I found myself in Washington State on the Pacific Coast. And uh, it was a very cold night. It was in the winter time, And there was a snowstorm. So everything in the town of Bremerton, it closed down. And Seattle Symphony Orchestra, everything that was going that night was closed down. We decided to have a service. And in that service, there was a man who came there. And I was, it was, he was sitting there. There wasn't a big crowd. And... Uh, I felt the Lord speak to me and says uh, that he's healing somebody whose arm is damaged. Well, uh, it was a lot more than the arm damage. I'm just happy that I knew it was only the arm. Because in that service, there was a young man, Robert, a Vietnam War veteran who had spent 11 years at the, 11 months, excuse me, at the Army Hospital in Tacoma, Washington, because he had been in a plane crash that had damaged his arm so much that they had removed several inches of the bone from his arm, putting it together with uh, uh, steel plates and screws in his arm. Plus, he was also going blind and he had cancer in his body and he didn't believe in God. He was cursing God. While I was speaking, he was speaking, you know, under his breath. He was cursing me. He was cursing the people there calling us stupid and all that kind of thing. And so and when that service came to an end, it was a discouraging service to start with. Even we have, our musicians didn't make it because of the snowstorm. I said, I believe God is healing somebody's arm. That's all I knew, somebody's arm. And so he kind of woke up and said, well, my arm, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of problems in my arm. So he came forward, we prayed. I had no idea of the complexity of his situation, but that day Jesus healed Robert. And uh, actually, he, he spent quite a few years after that traveling with a full gospel businessman in the, on the West Coast, giving his story how Jesus had healed him on that stormy winter night. And, uh, you know, um, he, he had left his wife at home, and uh, he came home so happy from the service. Uh, I heard about this from his wife. She said, oh, you didn't go to church after all. You, you, you must be drunk or something because he was looking so excited when he came home and he showed her, I can move my arm. I can do this. I can see again. The tumor is gone. I'm healed. So what God did was exceeding abundantly above anything that I could ask or think. God is the God of the impossible. 
And so, you know, this, this is a universal truth. Jesus talked about it in the area of salvation. He said, you know, for some people who are tied down by their finances, by their greed, and by fear of money, whatever, he said, it's hard for them. It's hard for them. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for somebody who is so tied down in their own effort and in their own accomplishment. It's hard for that person uh, to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And so the disciples said, well, Jesus, who can be saved then? He said, well, it is impossible. I want you to know that your salvation is impossible with people. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you do, you can say nice words, you can pray, you can give offerings, you can go to church, but you can never put peace in your own heart. You can never give yourself new life. You cannot guarantee yourself a place in heaven, no matter how many sacrifices and pilgrimages you make. You know, many of my Muslim friends, their dream is that once in their life, they would go to Mecca. They call it the Hajj, and I, I respect that so much. Uh, they, they want to go there once because they feel, you know, like many people feel, that uh, God is somehow closer in Mecca. You know, we don't need to pick on our Muslim friends. Uh, Catholic friends feel that God is closer in the Vatican. And uh, some Protestant Pentecostal pastors, they told their church this morning, welcome to the house of God. So wherever apartment they came from, I guess it wasn't the house of God. So, so, so you know, we all have our little routines and, and rituals like that. But uh, here's the idea, my friend, that God is where you are right now. God never left you. Hallelujah. Jesus said, well, this temple, I'll destroy it in three days and raise it up again. And the, the Pharisees said, well, how can you destroy and rebuild what it took us 46 years to build? But Jesus wasn't speaking about the physical temple. He was talking about his body. And so he was saying to them, God is no longer working through a specific geographical location or a specific building. When God is dealing with humanity, he is dealing with humanity through my body. And God did something. God did something that we couldn't do ourselves. It was impossible. It was like pulling a camel through the eye of the needle. It was impossible. What we couldn't do because we were weak in, in our intentions and in our desires and in our flesh, God did when he sent Jesus Christ and he nailed our sins to the cross through Jesus Christ. Oh, let's give God praise for that. You see, we are limited in every which way. Physically, I often think how limited we are. Mentally, we don't understand certain things. Maybe you have an expertise in electronics. Someone else has an expertise in medicine. Everybody has the area, but you're limited. So we are limited in all these areas. We're limited spiritually. What we can possibly do. We, we strive and we struggle and we take our steps and we use our keys to receive from God. But Jesus is saying that which is impossible with people, no matter how, how much you struggle, that is possible with God. And so I want to give you hope today. You can receive healing from Jesus right now. He's giving you hope. He's helping you right now. You know, there was a story in the Bible about a, a, a ruler of a synagogue. His name was Jairus. His daughter was dying. In fact, she did die. But Jesus raised her up. And it says in that context in Luke 8, it says, Jesus answered him saying, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Everybody say, only believe. Only. See, that's a dilemma. Only believe is a dilemma. Because what most of us are really good at we are good at believing and doubting at the same time. How many know that we are good at that? 
Oh, I believe God, and we sing the songs, and we kind of stir ourselves up. But in the back of our mind, we're thinking, what if nothing happens? What, what if God's not going to do anything for me? So the only believe, the believe part is easy, but the only believe. So that means no, no doubt, no fear, no intimidation, only believe. That's a dilemma. I always found it to be a personally a dilemma. I, I figured out very early that Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and it shall be removed. And not being stupid, at least I don't think I am, I figured, well, I want that. If I can just talk to a mountain and say, be removed, then I, I, I want that mustard seed faith. And so I tried to get it. I prayed for it. I called for it. I studied all the books on faith. But I found myself still uh, doubting in the back of my mind. Sometimes I would try to erase the doubt. I was so filled with praise and worship and singing to God uh, that maybe for a second it felt like I had no doubt, but then the doubt would come right back. So Jesus taught me something. He taught me that he is my faith. He is the author and finisher of faith. And this simple instruction here, only believe. It is further explained in the story in Mark chapter 9. When a deaf mute boy was uh, there and, and, and his father brought him to Jesus' disciples and they tried to heal him. They tried to heal him. You know, those disciples had seen miracles. They had been sent out to 72 by 2. So they were not uh, people who didn't believe in miracles. And I suppose most of you are here today, you believe in miracles. How many believe in miracles? Let me see your hand. Okay, so, so here these disciples were. They believed in miracles. In fact, not only believed, they had seen miracles. They had themselves come back and they had rejoiced telling Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were, they were all excited about it. They were really jacked up about that. And Jesus said, well, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. And so in this uh, story, then uh, Jesus said to this father or to this situation, he said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring that sick boy that everybody prayed for and nothing happened. Bring him to me. That tells us this morning that if you have tried everything, if you have any, every preacher you know has prayed for you, you've tried everything, you can bring that person to Jesus. You can come to Jesus today. He will not fail you. Preachers may fail. We do the best we can. We pray. We, you know, gang up around you. We hold hands. We do everything we can. But Jesus will never fail. That is our message. Jesus never fails. People may fail you. People may have good intentions, but they come up short. Jesus never fails. And then it says in Mark 9, that they brought, he brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, when, when the boy who was deaf and mute and had this trouble with evil powers, when he saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And now I'm quoting from the earliest manuscript. Jesus said to him, if you can. It's like Jesus is asking, are you asking me if I can? If you can? All things are possible to him who believes. 
Immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, he had the same problem that many of us have. I believe, oh, I believe. Oh, I believe in healing. The disciples believed in healing. Help my unbelief. So he's kind of double-minded. He's going both ways. I believe and I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Look at this story. You have several players in the story. You have the disciples. And we learn in the context that Jesus said they couldn't heal the boy because of their unbelief. So they didn't believe. They didn't have the kind of faith we're talking about today. The father himself by his own confession said, I, I believe, and I, but I don't believe also. So he didn't qualify either. The sick boy, well, it seemed like he was in some kind of a coma. He was being thrown back and forth. He was unconscious. So we cannot expect that he had uh, much faith either. So who believed then? Jesus said, if you can believe, to him who believes. It doesn't say to them. It says to him. Who is the him in the story? Is it Peter, John, or James? No. Is it the father? No. Is it the boy? No. Who is the him who believes? I submit to you the him who believed is Jesus Christ. Everybody else fell below the only belief. The only one who believed is Jesus Christ. And that has been a great blessing to me personally that I learned at some point in my life, is a number of years ago, that my faith doesn't measure up. My faith is too weak. My faith will always have some, something wrong with it. It'll always be too small in, in compared to the size of the problem. So I learned that the only faith worth having is the faith of Jesus Christ. When the lame man, you know, the lame man who had been sitting there for 40 years and he was begging by the temple, when he was healed and Peter and John came there and Peter said, silver and gold we don't have, what we have we give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he was leaping and dancing and rejoicing. And, and then the people began to ooh and ah, oh, you know, Simon Peter, what a mighty man of God you are. You are so anointed. You have such a powerful ministry. You know how people talk. They were talking like this. And, and, and Peter said, hush, 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 hush. It's not my power. It's not my holiness who has made this man to walk. But he said, here's the key. It's the faith that works through Jesus Christ. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen I have to say, I had nothing to do with it. I'm just like a journalist standing there. I'll never understand the monkey man in Mombasa. He said after he was healed, he said, a voice told me to come and sit here. He just sat there all day waiting for me to show up. He thought there was going to be a meeting. Crazy man. They tied him down with chains. And it didn't hold him down. The parents couldn't tie him down. He broke through the ropes. And for seven years, he had roamed like a dog through Mombasa, Kenya. People knew him, but he said, some voice told me to come and sit on the grass on the field where you're going to preach. I said, that's the grace of God. I didn't bring him there. The people didn't even bring him. Maybe he had seen some poster or heard something. I don't know. But a voice had told him, that's the spirit of God. That's Jesus Christ at work. And that night when I preached and I prayed, you know, suddenly his body was tossed up in the air. You can watch his story on YouTube because he tells himself what happened. And, uh, and his body landed, he was urinating, he was vomiting, and the people were screaming. And I said to them, what are, you, what are the people screaming? I said to the interpreter, they are screaming, monkey man, monkey man. I said, well, who's monkey man? I said, that's that man. I said, he's been called monkey man. And they told me his story. 
And then the young man came up and he said, Jesus came and told me. When he, I was tossed up in the air and I landed on the ground again and I was urinating and vomiting, he said, I saw a great light. Jesus said to me, you shall no longer be monkey man. Your name shall be Zechariah. And he has been a preacher of the gospel ever since that day. What I'm saying is, this is the ministry of Jesus. I can't take any credit for it. I was just there speaking. And so faith is coming to you today. Faith is coming in your heart today. You see, sometimes I found this when I'm the weakest, I'm the strongest. Uh, and so today, faith is coming to you right now. Maybe you have something in your life you think is impossible. With God, it is possible. And he will help you to believe. He will help you. He will do more than you can ask or think. Just, just give him an opportunity to work in your life today. Thank you, Jesus. I say Jesus will help you to believe, to believe who God is. People all over the world, they believe that God is almighty, but they believe God is angry. God is vindictive. God is vengeful. But I tell people all over the world, God is smiling on you. God is looking up on you with grace and favor because of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will help you to see that. See who you are to God. People don't realize who they are to God. They think, oh, I got to hide from God. God is upset with me. But Jesus, you know, he received the word from his father. This is my beloved son. The same words that the father spoke to Jesus, he speaks to you today. You are my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. You are loved by God. The Holy Spirit will help us to believe uh, what we can't believe on our own. Believe who Jesus is, that he is begotten of God. He came from God. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. My Muslim friends, they asked me, well, what do you believe? Did, did, did God have sexual relationship with Mary? I said, no, we don't believe that. It says in the word that Jesus is begotten from the Father, which is different than born as a result of a, of a sexual union between a man and a woman. Jesus came forth from the Father to show us who God is. Jesus said, no one knows God. No one, not even you Pharisees, not even you who study the Bible 24-7. No one knows God. He says, the only one who knows God is he who was with the Father at the beginning. He knows God. And Jesus was there from the beginning. And he says, you are valuable. You are loved by God. Believe what Jesus said. Believe that. Jesus will help you to believe. He said, I am the bread of life. And if you eat of him, you will never be thirst hungry again. I am the living water. If you drink of the water I give, you'll never be thirsty again. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the door. If you come through me, you will find eternal life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Believe what Jesus said of himself. Believe what others said of Jesus. The prophet said, Isaiah, for example, said, Jesus is God's servant sent to be the light to the nations. I believe our nation needs light. Maybe your situation needs light. Maybe your family needs light. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus is the light to the nations. Give God praise for that. You see, he gives us faith. He helps us to believe. Believe that he took your sin, that he carried your pain, that he took your sickness, and that by his stripes we were healed. Believe that Jesus Christ is the same today. It says in Hebrews 7.25, because Jesus is alive, he is fully able to heal, to save, 
to deliver you completely because he lives. And if you come to the Father through him who lives, he is able to do it. He's giving you faith today. Praise God. You know, I, I talk about the present day ministry of Jesus and I'm not going to talk very long, but this present day ministry of Jesus is the same as it was 2,000 years ago through people like us, through people, believers in this church. The healing ministry of Jesus is flowing. He's giving you faith. I love to tell the story about the atheist woman in Bulgaria. She was born and bred into atheism. She came from a school system where they taught atheism. She was told that Christians are idiots. They are stupid. They are mentally deranged. And, and you know, that's what they, they teach them. So that's what they believed. They are simple-minded people who don't know any better. And so we had put up posters in her city, you know, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. She was looking at those posters and said, ah, crazy people. Because communism was leaving her country. She said, oh, those crazy people are coming from America or someplace. So she was kind of despising what we were doing. But uh, there was a situation in this young woman's life. She was a single mom. And she had a boy, five-year-old boy, who was born lame, who had never walked. And every day she goes to the grocery store, she sees our poster. And then suddenly the thought came to her, what if it's true? What if I'm wrong and they're right? So the thought, she couldn't get out of this thought. Well, what, if I'm, what, 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 if, what if they are right? What if Jesus heals? So then the next day she goes to the grocery store and she's thinking, well, what if Jesus is going to heal my boy? He doesn't even have any proper clothes. He only has some pajamas because he's lame. He never needed anything but a pajama. She said, I better go and buy him a pajama just in case. Just in case it's true. And then she, she bought him the pajama. But then she thought, my boy doesn't have any shoes because he never had to walk. What am I going to do? What if it's true that Jesus heals him? I better go and buy some shoes. So she went and bought some shoes. You see, what was that all about? That was Jesus giving her faith. He was giving faith to an atheist woman. And she was thinking about it. You know, may, maybe this is going to work. Where, where do these thoughts come from? I want to give you new thoughts about God. Maybe all you could think about was that I'm going to make this happen or the doctor's going to make it happen. And we love the doctors. We appreciate them. But God is greater. What man cannot do, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. And so you may have seen this. I love to tell this story. She said, well, I'm going to bring my boy just in case. And so she dressed him up, took off the pajamas, put the regular clothes on, and the shoes she had in a bag because she was carrying him. And I guess she didn't want the shoes to be hitting her when she carried him there. So she brought him to the meeting. And when we were preaching Jesus like I'm preaching Jesus right now, Jesus healed that young boy. And she came and told the whole story. And the boy was running back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, I was thinking about that. What was that? Was that because I preached so good? Was that because I, I prayed so good? Was that because I have some special anointing? No, Jesus had been working on her all along. He had preparing, been preparing her heart and, and got her to think new thoughts. And some new thoughts may be coming to you today. Maybe you're thinking, well, maybe, uh, maybe there are some things impossible in my life. Well, with God, it's possible. So I'm going to believe God with you right now. You know, Jesus said that, if you're tied up in certain ways, and in this one case it was greed and maybe corruption. We don't know what exactly all the problems were. Jesus said, well, you know, it'd be easier to pull a camel through the eye of a needle and to get that man saved. And people say, well, 
how can anybody be saved then? Because I guess they were all a bit greedy. And Jesus said, well, it's impossible with people, but with God, all things are possible. So I want to give you an opportunity, first of all. The Holy Spirit is here right now helping us before we do anything else. If you say, I, I, I need to come into the light. I need, to, I need to receive him who is the light of the world, the light of my family, the light of my life. I want every head to be bowed right now. And if you say, Peter, I want to be included when you pray to receive this new life. I want you to lift your hand way up high right now. Lift your hand way up high wherever you're sitting and say, pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you over here. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Lift your hand way up high. Yes, 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 yes. Beautiful. Let's all pray together. Let's all stand as we pray together. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. I give you praise, Lord. Let's pray together. Would you say like this? Say, Heavenly Father, it is impossible for me. I can't save myself. No matter how hard I try, no matter how righteous I try to be, I cannot save myself. So I come to you, God. I thank you that Jesus Christ took my sin. Jesus put away my sin. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.